women's rights world. Welcome to episode one of season two from the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, a podcast series that's shining a spotlight on women in intellectual property law. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I am the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitum IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life. We are based out of the U.S. in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Northens Media PR and Marketing Limited, based out of the UK in London. They are the publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix magazine. The 2022 Women's IP World Annual can be found digitally at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com. And you can listen to the annual as well on your favorite podcast app. Now that many IP conferences are back in person, keep an eye out for hard copies as well. And you'll have to excuse my voice today, Natalie, our guest, who I'll be introducing in a moment, because I think I am still hoarse from our very first in-person conference, at least mine personally, in three years. We're starting season two in France with Natalie Dreyfus founder and managing partner of the Dreyfus Law Firm, located in Paris. Bienvenue, Nathalie. Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure, pleasure having you on the show today. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Comment ça va? Uh, ça va bien, merci. I get to practice my, 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 college, my college French. Yeah, yeah. It's so wonderful to be back um, in person, uh, and I look forward to learning even more about you. We've gotten to know each other over the years. And so this time we get to do a deep dive into your career and the article that you um, recently had published in the annual. So first, um, I know you're a female founder of your firm, but I'd like to go back in time a little bit and learn about when you decided to pursue a career in law and why. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Yeah, yeah we, we go way back. Uh, um, yes. So, well, well I, was a, I was a good student, you know, in high school, and I studied mathematics, but also uh, the humanities, Latin and ancient Greek. Uh, it was not very common at that time. And when I graduated, I hesitated between uh, business and law. And uh, I decided to pursue law. Um, I, I don't come from a, a family of lawyers, but um, I, wa I was always intrigued by the law, and um, I wanted to evolve, you know, in a creative field. And that's why I decided to pursue my career in law and in intellectual property. Well, in fact, I did most of my studies in my hometown, Strasbourg, Strasbourg in Alsace, in the east of France. Oh, I have actually been to uh, to Alsace and, and to Strasbourg. I have. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I have. It's so beautiful there. So yeah. was it was it difficult to transition to the big city life in Paris? 
No, not at all. But <laughs> I suppose they have like the CEPI, Centre International of Intellectual Property. So um, it was uh, it was easy to study IP. Uh, so I started in Strasbourg, but then uh, I did like a Erasmus program in the, in the in the UK. You know, this the European program. You know that. Uh, enable students to 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 study abroad. It's quite popular now. At, at, at that time, uh, I was one of the, it was one of the first program, and we were only five students to to go to Leicester uh, University in the UK. And uh, I have a really good memories of, of this time I spent in the UK, and I learned everything uh, there is to know about common law and on, on the English culture too. Huh? Mm -hmm. And actually, talking about Paris, I wanted to go to Paris. I wanted badly to go to Paris. So I started and I graduated in, uh, in a, with an LLM in intellectual property law in Paris at the University Assas. Okay. I, I wanted to get involved with artists, copyright things, you know, designers. Interesting coming from a math background. Um, I don't know if, I mean, I think that mathematics can definitely be creative, but I don't think people necessarily associate it with creatives. Um, and so it's very interesting that here you, you have this background and, you know, most people would say like hard science, math, and then transitioned over. Um, but maybe, I mean, do you see a connection be, between them, the creatives and, and math? Oh, no, but I think the trademark law needs really to be uh, uh -huh. to all the details. And I think you need to have, to have like a, a scientific mind. It's, it helps, you know. But when I, I was in Paris, I wanted to, you know, to be involved with, uh, only with uh, copyright. But, um, and, and, and so I, I applied to, to um, a, 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 a copyright collection uh, uh, society. Uh, and, and I had like an interview for the job. And then <laughs> the, the society was dissolved just a few days after. It was like a, it was a, a, a company to defend legal rights on artists. And the main uh, artist was Pablo Picasso. And oh, my just, goodness. He left, he left, you know, the French collection, copyright collection and he set up his own. And so uh, uh, by, by, by chance, I, I applied in a law firm in, specialized more in, uh, in trademark and patents. Like, uh, and, and that's how I, I, I got involved in the, in the profession. So per, perhaps, I don't know, uh, but I probably won't be answering your question today, perhaps, uh, if, I, if, I, if I had made like this car career in the copyright, French copyright collection society, who knows? <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, I did work with, you know, for Pablo Picasso. Like you can throw that out there in a yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I did a lot of IP work, IP, IP, but in 1998, I was really interested in, uh, by the internet, and the internet started, you know, to be commercial with domain names, domain names, and, um, and I was interested by the connection between trademarks and domains. Uh, and so I was invited uh, on the discussions of, on the UDRP, you know, the Uniform uh, Domain mm -hmm. Name Dispute uh, Resolution in Geneva. When they discussed the to, to to establish the procedure, so and what I saw is that uh, 
um, the lack of understanding between uh, the different state, uh, uh, the different actors um, that were in the in the uh, on the table, meaning the 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 the, the, gi the internet giants, but also the, the the trademark representatives associations and and the representative of the countries. And I said they will never reach an agreement, but it happened, and the and then the the UDAP came came into life in at the end of 1999. So and I was involved with this at an early stage, um, and so I, after that I always um, um, applied uh, new technology on intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Now at this time, Natalie, were you working for the prior firm, or had you already started your own firm? No, I was working in a prior firm. I I, I opened my firm in uh, two thousand on uh, on four. That's right. So. And what? so, uh, wh why you know why? Uh, I, I, yeah, I was in, uh, already yes in um, uh, involved with uh, IPIT, but um, I created my own law firm, the Dreyfus. Well, well, I, I told you in two thousand and four, and I wanted to bring something new to the table in IP. So I want to definitely hear about that as as a. Also, as a female founder of my firm, I always find it interesting to to learn from other female founders and, you know, the curiosity of, you know, how did you decide to start your own firm? Why? What led to what led to that decision? Well, I, I, I always had, you know, like an uh, entrepreneur spirit, you know, on uh, mm -hmm. And, um, and also because I couldn't find, you know, a, a firm that services the clients the way I wished uh, clients should be served, you know, with uh, uh, advice, business-oriented, on the practical, efficient, and also including these internet matters on uh, 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 making the connection between IP and IT. It was not so common um, back then. So I started my, my, my firm, and, and this was, it's, it was natural to me, you know, on, um, on, I, I wanted to have like a, a boutique law firm on uh, leading in IP on, on the, the digital economy, on with uh, with also a, a strong practice on on trademark law. I mean, I would imagine since two thousand four, and you know, kind of you know, making that connection and focus in IP and IT, which wasn't as common at that time. You know, we kind of take for granted the association now in 2022, but, you know, going back in time, you know, what, what challenges um, have you faced in, you know, in starting your own firm? Yeah. But it, it was, it was more like a, a gift because as you said, it was not so common. So I had the clients from start on a big client who came to me. I didn't have to look for clients. Um, uh, it was quite, uh, they came to me, you know, uh, for for this kind of expertise, but the the challenge I had it's like like the challenge that many entrepreneurs have. I had to uh, first as a woman, uh, I had to 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 to, to defy social expectation. I had to balance my time between uh, uh, the, the the goal I wanted to achieve in uh, in uh, in launching this firm and also raising my my daughter. And I, I was alone. And it was not easy every day, you know. But if I had to do it all over again, uh, and uh, knowing who my daughter has become and where I am today, I, I would, but without the shadow of a doubt, I would do it again. 
And what a what what a gift also that you weren't struggling to find clients. Um, yeah. So that because of the the niche field at the time that they that they came to you. I mean that that's a that's a huge relief. Yeah, um, but Michelle, you know, I had no idea. I, I had no idea when I set up my firm that I, I will get uh, really and uh, really really uh, uh, reliable and very good clients from from the beginning, asking me about uh, how to uh, defend their trademark on the internet, uh, what to do in, in terms of brand, uh, online brand enforcement. I had no idea of this, you know. If you build it, they shall come. <laughs> and that's what you did. So what advice then would you give to women interested in joining the IP profession? You know, junior IP practitioners who want to get, you know, eventually into the position that you're in. Yeah, I would advise uh, to never give up, to always push further. And um, I would say, well, ambition, discipline, discipline also to... Uh, our key success on, in, in, in our profession, in the IP profession. No? Well, tell us about your discipline. Because yeah. that's clearly served you well. Yes, exactly. Always be um, uh, disciplined, or always be attentive to details, and always have, uh, um, yeah, be, be focused on, 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 on what you want to do. Well, I think I know, I think I know the answer to what I'm going to ask you next, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there are barriers for women joining uh, the IP profession? Well, I think today it's perhaps well, I, it's perhaps more easy today than it was when I started. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but because when I today you have many uh, women in the IP profession, not so many in the IT, but in the IP there are many women for, in the profession. But when I started, it was quite difficult to. To start a law from, from at least uh, for me on in France, and we had like this glass ceiling, and uh, a, a, a woman could not go further in her career. And uh, um, so, um, yeah, but it's funny because in my firm, I mean, it's a women dominating firm in, in terms of numbers, you know. Well, tell us about your numbers. Yeah, so most of the actually in my firms are, are women. And uh, so I can say, you can have it all, (laughs) (laughs) because you can make like an excellent uh, female practitioner, but you also, with a successful career, but you can also have like a a, a family life, you know, and it's, uh, I know there's still a lot to do, uh, a lot to be done, of course, but um, uh, I think it's, it's possible to have both. How, like in your own firm? You know, you as the founder, you set a, a culture, a tone. So, and I and you have other female lawyers working with you. Um, you know, presumably they're ter- they may be caretakers of children or their parents or you know what have you. I mean, how do you think your firm, um, with that in mind, has has um, really illustrated? You know, has shown to your your colleagues that this work-life, um, you know, balance to some extent, even though it's never completely balanced, but, you know, how it's kind of um, ebb and flow. How, how have you integrated that culture into your firm? 
well, we are, we, we are very flexible, on, especially after the pandemic. So I think we all are, in, mm -hmm. uh, at least in the IP, with uh, working uh, from home and uh, be, being flexible and, and be able to, 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 to have a, a nice balance between the profession and, and, and personal life. So I don't think we have something steady written in stone, but uh, um, I, I, I always try to, to find uh, a, a, an arrangement when people have like personal issues or anything, you know? Well, I think we're going to talk um, more about, um, you know, p potential inequality in our, in our profession um, with, with your article. We're, we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to dive into that as soon as we're back. The Women's IP World Annual is the industry's number one publication that celebrates the work and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation globally. Our annual publication has attracted a cocktail of, or inspiring, knowledgeable women working at all levels in IP and innovation from all over the world. We are proud to share our platform and profile many inspirational women by sharing their industry knowledge through engaging thought leadership literature, stories and personal experiences. If you would like to be part of the Women's IP World Annual 2023, then please make sure to contact a member of our team to reserve your profile, editorial or branding packages by calling plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email info at womensipworld.com. Reserve your position in the Women's IP World Annual 2023 before the 1st of June to qualify for a 30% discount on our profile and editorial packages. The Women's IP World Annual 2023 Profiles, Articles, Rankings, Experience, Achievements, Accolades, plus so much more. Welcome back. So the uh, article that you submitted and that's been recently published uh, in the Women's IP World Annual, it's called Gender Washing and Greenwashing. So in the magazine, Natalie's bio to the listeners is on 49 and then on page 50 and 51 is her article and it's really interesting. Um, Natalie, if you could, you know, and I, and I know, you know, you're, you're an academic as well. Uh, tell us about um, your article, why you chose it. But if you could define what gender washing and greenwashing is for us, that would be so helpful. Yeah, of course. Well, um, first, Women's uh, IP World Annual gave me the opportunity to, to talk about uh, gender washing and greenwashing. And I thank you for, for, for them because it's a very interesting subject. And uh, because uh, activism on uh, feminism, on uh, uh, environment friendly, you know, women have defended multiple causes. On um, so the eco-feminist eco movement uh, emerged, on, and this was good for social and environmental justice. But uh, this battle uh, soon uh, became the battle of uh, industrial companies, you know, on, on, with a lot of opportunism. And uh, fun fact, um, to, to celebrate the International Women's Day in uh, 2018, uh, McDonald's, um, they reversed the letter uh, M to represent the letter W for women. 
I know. I love that. When I read that in the article, I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't remembering that. I don't know. Was it in the United States as well? Was it like a global, yeah, was yeah, it yeah. a global change? Yeah, yeah. But, I but thought that was wonderful. In reality, yes, behind the, the, this message, uh, there, there, was, there was a typical case of feminist advertising because uh, on, on many companies are doing that, uh, in, not only in the U.S., huh? And, and so, so the, the the image of the product, the a trademark or a company, and and becomes the, the the perfect instrument to to mimic the convictions of consumers, and and in fact it helps the companies to 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 gain more visibility uh, on the market. So so if we talk uh, about the greenwashing or gender washing, and uh, well the, the the legal system helps to to protect. Uh, with the you know the eco labels on certification marks on uh, also competition law on consumer law, so um, it will it it will lead to to new legal issues. It's very interesting. And I remember reading a, a statistic once. Um, like I'm very involved in the women's um, business group here in the U.S. and there was the statistic about how seventy um, percent of buying power is by women because we are buying things for the household, okay, primarily. Now, that's not, of course, 100% true. I'm sure there's, everyone knows, you know, where, where maybe the, the man's doing the buying of, um, you know, daily products. But according to the statistic I saw, 70% is done by women. So by um, recognizing that, um, it would be wise, right, for companies to gear their advertising, uh, and women typically are quite socially aware, environmentally aware, and they want to support businesses that have that align with yeah, what's important yes. to them, right? Yes, you're so right. I I found your article extremely interesting and encourage the listeners to to take a look. Because there's a lot of examples, you use concrete examples where companies seem to recognize that and then in turn um, adjust their advertising to speak to that public. So in your own words, how would you, when, when you, how would you define gender washing? Let's start with gender washing. Yeah, well, the, the, the gender washing, it's, uh, it's like, uh, how do you call it? It's quite complex. Um, um, it's when um, then we, 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 we do like uh, we, we do advertising more woman friendly than they really are you know ah so it's it's actually the washing part is a negative so it's it makes it seem and you had a, you I did see examples in your article where you know a company may have advertising that seems women friendly but yet they don't maintain um fair and equitable salaries or, you know, pay between men and women. That would be yeah. an example, right? Okay. Yeah, it could be selective disclosure on uh, mm -hmm. or label. It could be on the label. It could be a product placement also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then greenwashing in much the same way, but, you know, meaning environmentally conscious companies that maybe within their own internal practices are not green. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're right, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a new subject. It's interesting. 
so are you and you know of course that gets into you know the the you know what we do for a living in the in the trade trademark sense and choosing trademarks even that seem to align with with who's buying products right exactly so i encourage our listeners to do um a nice read of this article. It's it's really I think it's really important and it's so relevant today because people, buyers, the consumers are paying more attention to companies' policies and what they believe in. What is their mission? Um more than ever before, I think. So, um we're we have um a few minutes left and so I want to I want to talk with you about life outside of work. Just Michelle, uh, if I if I may, yeah, um, because I, there's something I, I wanted to say because you you were asking me about the, the challenges to to of when founding my firm. Just I want to say something about my name. Well, oh, the, the name Dreyfus, you know, it's not it's not neutral. It's uh, it has like a, a historical weight, you know. Yes, it does. It does, but I, I need to tell you this story because it's very important. I think and people will be very interested in what happened to me, because my, my name is quite often associated with Alfred Dreyfus. You know, Alfred Dreyfus. He was this French military officer, and he was accused uh, of uh, treason. And then later, it was he was found innocent. And mm-hmm. uh, it's called the Dreyfus Affair. It was a very, very big thing in France. And you probably heard about it. Of course. And Absolutely. Donna, you know, he wrote uh, in a French newspaper in an open letter called J'accuse. Okay. And he different mm-hmm. thing. Okay. And so when I was in France on, I, I, early in my career, um, many uh, French IP law firms, you know, like family owned, they refused to work with me because of my name, you know? Oh. It's it's and, uh, and 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 so it was uh, it was I, I was uh, I was uh, I, I, it was really really difficult for me, uh, but when I started with, you were talking about uh, going to convention and meeting again, uh, when I started going to meetings and when I opened I started that only when I opened my uh, my firm internationally and then the first question that most of the people would ask me is Dreyfus, are you related? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so they were referring to Alfred Dreyfus, <laughs> and some to the Dreyfus, you know, finance in New York, and another the the actor Richard Dreyfus. So there's also a jazz label called um, called uh, Dreyfus. But in fact, most of them it was about the Captain Dreyfus. Of course, because uh, you're French, right? Yes, yes. So so in France it was very negative, and you know, I was uh, uh, I was even uh, shortlisted for some job. On one headhunter once told me. Uh, the the firm want didn't want to hire me because uh, of my name, and, and wow. um, so I dig 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 in, and it's very interesting because something happened also like this to uh, Raymond Aubrac. You heard about Raymond Aubrac? Is um, he was one uh, one of the leader of the French uh, resistance in, mm. in during World War Two, and he was a patent attorney in Lyon, and. Um, uh, around 1940, I don't remember, 1941, I think, he was working as a patent attorney in a French uh, patent, trademark and patent uh, firm. And his boss um, fired him because he said he was doing business with Berlin, so with the German, and he didn't want to, to leave the, his office to, to a Jew. 
So it came, uh, you know, as, uh, as a shock. And, and this is all this history. And in fact, coming back to my, when I opened the law firm, so, so the, the, the name was a true gift, you know, on the international uh, level because it was very, so happy, appealing. And, and the people, they saw that the Dreyfus was in fact an old firm and it was established uh, by my father and even my grandfather, you know. And, mm. uh, and, and some people and colleagues uh, from everywhere, they were proud to meet me because I was from the Dreyfus family. So it was a weight in the past and it was a gift when I opened my, my law firm. And I think it helped me a lot, you know, on the international uh, uh, level. So I just wanted to tell you that also. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, I mean, w- that's that's incredible um and also interesting on how like the stigma that a name can carry uh and how it can change exactly over time um into something positive so did so did you did you do you know from your ancestry are you related to Dreyfus Captain Dreyfus? Yes, I am related. I'm, I'm proud to be a Dreyfus, you know. Yes. But it's not always easy. Because he was it's... falsely accused. He was falsely <laughs> accused and found innocent. Yes. So, um, I mean, I, I'm aware of that. Maybe, you know, I and I remember studying. I remember studying it. Um, but after all these years, I actually never asked you that question. We have never had this, that discussion. So I really appreciate you Um bringing it up now but you know um, michelle you know the the funny things that after three years i'm not going to international conference i'm coming back to uh, on travel on, on we we met uh recently and in at inta in this international conference and started again are you related this is the, mm-hmm. the question that people are asking me all the time that's right but in france, in france not it's uh, mostly in the u.s in france nobody would it's very rare that someone someone would ask me that. Ah, but here, but that's very and that's very interesting. Yes, that's very interesting. Yeah, um, I wonder. I wonder why that is. Do you have do you do you have any kind of suspicion as to you know inclination as to why Americans are freely asking you this? <laughs> but but French. Well, not only Americans. I would say everybody uh, except the French. Yeah, everyone except <laughs> the French. Okay. <laughs> Let's Interesting. Just, let's, um, let's maybe the French, the French presume. Maybe the French just presume it true, right? So they don't. You're ask. being nice. Yes. <laughs> well, that that already is a very um, interesting fact about you, Natalie. So thank thank you for for sharing that. Um, I mean, I don't think we're going to get into anything more interesting than that. <laughs> and thank you for everybody who's asking me, "Are you related?" Uh, thank you for asking me. Are you related? Yes. Well, uh, thank you so much for for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure, and I'm I love that we're connecting again to our to our listeners. Please like, follow, share with your friends and colleagues, but also feel free to send comments and questions. We do we do review them. Um, thank you, Natalie. If you want to say any kind of closing goodbyes, please do. Thank you for for this uh, this invitation on on open conversation. Uh, much appreciated, and see you around. See yeah, you a, a bientôt. Au revoir. Au revoir. 
women's You have been listening to the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, hosted by Michelle Katz from Advitum IP in Chicago, on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited.